written from Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 if you are using the pew bible it is found in page 1286 The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who testifies to everything he saw that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near John to the seven churches in the province of Asia Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father to him be glory and power forever and ever amen look he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him so shall it be amen i am the alpha and the omega says the lord god who is and who was and who is to come the almighty this is the word of god thank you so much you uh, for reading that wonderful passage of scripture for us this morning and i trust that as we look at god's word it will be a source of great encouragement and uh, strength uh, for us let me first pray father we thank you for your word uh, lord we pray that you'll take this word uh, and accomplish what you want to accomplish in our lives uh, use it lord as you would as you will in the name of jesus amen well friends this morning uh, we're going to look at this uh, this passage we'll try and work our way through uh, uh, this this text before us this morning uh, revelation chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 if you do have your bible so it will be great uh, or your your phones or whatever device that you use so long as you're not sending any text messages or surfing the internet uh, that's all good all right <laughs> i've got a device here that actually can override all your no it doesn't So we know everything that goes on. No, we don't. <laughs> uh, the plan, my friends, is, is, is uh, that after Easter to work uh, work through a series of messages on uh, the seven churches in uh, the book of Revelation. We hope it will be a great encouragement for us as a church here at St. Stephen's. And I hope that as we work our way through these these seven churches, that will be a challenging one and encouraging one as well uh, here at uh, God's church that belongs to Him. Uh, so our plan is to work uh, through through this series of messages of the seven churches and this morning i want to set the overall context uh, or if one may like to say it the launching pad uh, for our study for these seven churches no doubt uh, the study of the book of revelation is challenging uh, i was talking to some people uh, from this congregation who are going to i think the bsf and uh, i understand the bsf is studying revelation is that correct not your heads if you Yes or no? I think so. All right, that's good. 
Okay, so uh, in the Chinese book, it has uh, all this imagery and, and of dragons and beasts and seven heads, and, and the book is filled with symbolism and, and uh, imagery that can cause uh, confusion. And you read through and you think, what on earth is going on in this book? It is really challenging. And therefore, it is very important for us, I believe, to interpret the book by understanding that the material before us is of, uh, is of uh, apocalyptic genre. Uh, that is, um, it is one of a revelation. And so we need to approach this book understanding uh, the nature of the genre of material that we are using in this particular book. It is different from the rest of the books uh, that we have in the scriptures, perhaps coming very close with, uh, with, with some of the prophecies of Daniel. And so if you want to study uh, further on this book of Revelation, I can suggest uh, a few helpful books that I personally uh, found very helpful. I do have those books. Um, I don't plan to lend them easily because, you know, some books go and they disappear and they don't come back. Anyway, <laughs> and probably you give up me some as well. So, More Than Conquerors is one book by William uh, Enrikson, uh, if you're looking for that. Uh, the other one is uh, the New International Greek Testament. I find that a very helpful work by Dr. Greg Beale. I've uh, looked at uh, some of his material this past week. It is a scholarly, it's a very scholarly treatment of the book of Revelation. So it's going into a very deeper level with uh, an exegesis and, and, and the Greek text and so forth. There's also what, what Christ thinks of his church by John Stott. A, a very, a great, it's a good read. Uh, it's not complex, but it's, uh, it's very precise and a really good read. And the other one is The Returning King, uh, a guide to the book of uh, Revelation by Vern Poitras. And he does also an excellent work. So now, now let me come back here. So apart from the imagery and symbolism, uh, which uh, I'm not going to go into all those details this morning, uh, apart from the imagery and the symbolism uh, that uh, can be confusing, I think we must not lose sight of the fact that the book of Revelation I want to say this this morning. It's an impo- is an immensely comforting book. It speaks of the return of Jesus. It speaks of the comfort to the church. It gives us the hope that is ours in Christ. It speaks of the new heaven, the new earth. It speaks of the return of Christ, just to name a few. It also speaks of judgment. And so it is a book that speaks powerfully. It's a book that speaks profoundly. It's a book that has a personal pastoral application, giving us, in one sense, a view of history and as well as the future. So, it's a great book in that regard. And so, a general outline of the book could be as follows. I just try to work this way. Others might have a different outline, and, and that's fine. Uh, the introduction, I think uh, we have that, Revelation 1, 1 to 8, the things that are seen. Uh, the, the seven churches, Revelation 2, chapter 3, 22. The things that are to come, Revelation 4, 1 to the, uh, 22, 6. And we have uh, a general chapter division that's conclusion here, 22, 7 uh, to, to 21. And so this morning, this morning, I want to look at this, this passage before us. And we'll try and work our way as, uh, as quickly as we possibly can. But, you know, if you say quickly, it may never happen that way. So we'll look at... Uh, you know, you, you know that story, right? Uh, the, 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 the grandfather who brought his, brought his grandson to church one day. And uh, he was seated there and he asked the grandfather, what are those numbers on the side of the church building? And the grandfather said, well, it is, uh, they're the hymns that we're going to sing from the numbers. Um, what do those people do, carry those bags and go around? Well, they collect money. And then the preacher got up to preach. 
and uh, the preacher had his watch on and uh, he took his watch off and put it on the pulpit and so, and so the little boy asked the grandfather what does that mean that it means absolutely nothing <laughs> interpret it any way you like <laughs> alright anyway so the, the point is let's come back to the text here the revelation the recipients and and the, the redeemer the revelation one, one to three right the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him, you can see that in the passage. You see, the book begins, my dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, with these words. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. So it begins that way. It makes that first statement. The revelation of Jesus Christ. In the Greek, it would read, revelation of Jesus Christ. Here we have the title of the book itself, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It has to do with Jesus Christ, I think, and I believe, and it has to do with the revelation of Jesus himself. In this sense, the book is all about Jesus. Now you might say, well, isn't all the scripture all about Jesus? Yes, in one sense that is correct. But yes, specifically, it is focusing on the person, the work, and the powerful redeeming work of Christ, both in time as well as in history, in the future as well. And so this revelation comes from God to Christ, and is carried by an angel to John, and then to the servants or to the church. So it is a personal letter from God to Jesus, to the angel, to John, and to us, the church. Now, you might ask the question, who is John? Now, there were many Johns at the time, uh, as, as we have many Johns even today, right? We have a few here in this church as well, uh, Johns at the time. But, but, but this is a well-known John. And therefore, uh, the understanding is that it is the Apostle John. And we are told in Revelation chapter 1 that John is writing this from the place of his exile, which is in the Isle of Patmos. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, the kingdom of, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos. Why was he there? On account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So uh, he was there on this island not because he was having a nice party and a picnic there. <laughs> John was nearly, uh, uh, the commentators would tell us that he's probably around in his late 80s, maybe 90 years. As a man, he's banished in exile. Uh, he was an exile because the emperor, uh, because the emperor put him there because John loved the word of God and because of the testimony of Jesus. And as the leader of the churches in the western part of Asia, he was now banished in this island of Patmos. Patmos. And the island of Patmos is said to be a rocky and volcanic island. Not many trees there. A deserted place. He was probably put to work there. It was tough for John who would have been an old man, as I said in this stage. And John has now understood that in the providence of God, he is now banished in this island, isolated, pushed aside as it were. John, the brother, he says in 19a, your brother and partner in tribulation. And it is said that there is a cave there. Today I'm not really sure about that, I've been there, so it's called the cave of the Apocalypsis. So supposedly that this is the cave he was on the Isle of Patmos. It's not a very big place and uh, that's where he was. And so that is where John wrote it from. He's banished there. 
and is kept there. But God does something. You know, this is an important thing as I was thinking about this in the past week. You know, sometimes we may feel completely banished. We may feel at times completely isolated and alone as John felt at the time. But you know something? God had not forgotten his servant. God had not abandoned his servant. God has had a plan for John. And now God at once comes in and gives to him the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus. It's about Jesus here, John. And reveals and uncovers something that is hidden, which is now revealed. That's what revelation is. See, Jesus Christ is his given name. It's a description of his mediatorial work. And I will expand on that in a a few moments as we work down this text. You see, things must shortly come to pass. The things must soon take place. And the question then is, what are these things? You see in your text there. Show his servants, in verse 1, what must soon take place. Now, friends, I must say this. If you are studying the book of Revelation... And if you study the book of Revelation, now there are different views. Alright, it's very important for you to understand sometimes, and for us to understand as well, the interpretations that might come with this book. So there are different views and interpretations about what these things are, and I don't plan to go into it extensively this morning. We can't do it this morning. But let me highlight a few. There are at least the five views that I have read in this past week. The first view is what you call the pre... I very quickly give it to you. If you have questions, come and see me. We can go... Uh, uh, I can expand, expand it later uh, with you. The first view is called the preterist view. That is, it's the disclosure of events that were imminent at the time of the book's writing and that now lie in the past. It was... Uh, it's, it's instead of this view, it was the circumstances of John's own day and confined to the past and the future. There's also the historicist view, sees it as a visionary symbolization of the sequence of events that will take place throughout the course of the history of the church, from Christ's first coming until his second coming at the end of the present age. And so historicists read its visions as a presentation in some chronological order of the most significant developments in the history of redemption. That is from the time of its writing until the second coming, the millennium, the last judgment and the final state. A lot of information here. Please come and see me after. We can talk about it. Okay? Then there is also the futurist view. I'm giving these things, friends, because uh, this, this, the, the messages we preach here is not just only for us, for our growth and for our edification, but it also goes out of this place through our websites and everything else so that we give a comprehensive view of God's word and understanding of it. So, the futurist is this. All visions, that is chapter 4 to 22, will take place in the future, immediately before Christ returns, and also accompany his return. Christ will be here for a thousand years uh, before the final judgment. And that's what you might go into another area, which you call premillennialism. We won't go into that right now. <laughs> then there's the idealist view as well. This is the view that revelation is relevant for everyone as it deals with principles and symbols that are valid for all ages in these last days. All this must come to pass. It is to give comfort, encouragement to the church. And then there's a final view, which is called the eclectic view. And that is, this approach interprets the book of Revelation in a way which aims to incorporate... This is quite a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a view that takes all the good things 
from the past other four views and puts it together, the strengths of each of the other four major approaches and rejects the weaknesses of this view. This approach acknowledges that there are elements of truth in all the approaches and so it embraces the strengths of all the four other views. A lot of stuff. Did you get all that? No, I can understand. Why did I say it? Because I needed to say it, <laughs> all right. Uh, because at least we have some. At least I haven't skipped the understandings here, all right. So that's why. And when I put this message together, I thought, Chris, you're going to bore God's people with this thing. But I needed to say it this morning. The four, uh, the five particular views. You see, uh, let me put it this way. Well, I believe that the whole book is applicable to every age of the church. We have one revelation taken. And my understanding is from different angles focusing on, on the events of this world in the light of Christ. So let me attempt to give a brief summary position of the book of Revelation. I try to put this thing together. Hopefully it gives us some idea. Okay. Uh, I put it this way. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We see his glorious and amazing uh, victory over sin and Satan by his death on the cross and by his resurrection. By defeating sin and Satan, there is ultimate victory in the midst of spiritual warfare and persecution for all believers, his church throughout the ages. Revelation tells us how to understand, handle and face persecution by living with confidence in Jesus. He is the conquering king and is in sovereign control of all things, not Satan. Revelation is a book of hope. It speaks of both the present and the future. It is a book of comfort. Reading it brings blessing as it reveals the testimony of Jesus. He is, he is on the eternal throne. Uh, we are to live in him and by him. Revelation is also a warning to all those who are outside of Christ that judgment is coming. And Jesus will return one day to consummate his kingdom and establish the new heaven and earth. But summary statements, we want notes. You can have a copy of the sermon. Okay. So, where do you go from here? So, John Bow witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. You see, he says he bore witness to the word of God. You see, the word of God did not originate with John, or did it? That's a question for you. Did the word of God originate with John, or did it come from God? <laughs> the Bible is whose word? It is the word of God. Right? The Bible will be believe and, and affirm the authority of the scriptures. Right? It is inspired. It is infallible. It is inerrant. Yesterday at our elders retreat, the elders, uh, we, we, we reaffirmed the authority of scripture. I said to the guys there, you better give a clear answer because if you don't, you're out of this place immediately. Including myself. Because this church is built on the foundation of this word. It's not the church here and the word below. Of course not. It's a word above the church, correct? It's a word above our lives. It's a word that gives us the, the, the understanding of who God is and we submit to this word. It's a word of God. See, that must shape the lives of our church. Notice uh, 2b. Even all that he saw. Notice that John saw things. God showed things to John. This is different from other books of the Bible where the writers did not see things by recording the word as the Holy Spirit moved them to write. But here God shows things to John. We need to see that, right? And blessed is the one who reads aloud. Look at verse 3. The words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. You see, 
Jesus says, read this book, because when you do so, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Jesus says through John, blessed is the one who reads it. And so by reading it, you will be blessed. Why? Because as you read this book, you will see more of Jesus Christ. You will see his work in redemption. You will see history unfolding in God's own way. And you will learn of the future. And it shows the glory, the majesty, the power of Jesus Christ. And that is the blessing that comes from reading the book of Revelation. So don't run away from the book, but rather read it. Because as you read it, you will learn. And God's word says, you will be blessed. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. You see, the blessing comes also as we keep the things written in this book. That is, we obey and know Jesus Christ. We believe and trust in Him and live our lives with Him. You see, friends, read God's Word. Uh, We were talking about that yesterday, about family devotions. Is that happening in our homes? Do we say, okay, I'm not saying this, I'm not saying anyone's doing this. Do we say, okay, I've got a teenager, send him to youth group. John and the team will fix the guy or the girl there, right? That'll be, that's their job. After all, you know, we employ a guy called John. It's his responsibility to see that he trains these, these kids. Teenagers. That's, that's John's response. Uh, the, the second... Um, what am I saying? Uh, jo- so, okay, the, the other thing is kids' church. Right, with kids' church, what happens is, we say, okay, we listen our kids to kids' church, Wow, Ian Jones and the team, they teach the kids everything else. Whoopee, I'll just as a parent, sit back, go for the ride. Is that what we do? No, 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 no. Right, as God's people, take the word of God. As a parent, read the word to your child. Pray with your child. As a husband and wife, open the word of God. And, uh, and, and, and find it, and read it, and get yourself nourished in it. Because this word gives strength. You know, a, a pastor went to visit a, visit a, a, a family and uh, he said uh, to this, uh, this lady, I forgot to bring my Bible. Uh, could I borrow yours? Uh, and the lady said, oh, no problems, pastor. I'll get the Bible for you. And uh, she went and brought the Bible. This is no offense to any ladies. That's how the illustration goes, so that's what it is. And so he brought, she brought the Bible to the pastor and said, here it is. Uh, he opened it. Uh, dusted it and opened it and uh, she, he found he, the, the lady's pair of glasses in it and she said oh thank you so much I've been missing it for months for months I missed my glasses where was it? it was there and it wasn't opened so she couldn't read it you see what I'm saying? this word is for us I encourage you to read it Read it as husbands and wives, as, as widows and widows, as single people. Read this word because this is the word that will give us the nourishment. This is the word that will give us the encouragement in our moments of, of despair and despondency. You know, I sit as a pastor at home and sometimes I receive phone calls. And sometimes the phone calls are hard. When I hear stories of people who are going through challenges and difficulties and, and sicknesses, I, I sit back in my office and I, array, I say, God, what is going on? And I come back to this word and I pick up the Psalms sometimes and I just read it for my own personal encouragement so that we can encourage those who are going through struggles and battles. I want to assure you, friends, 
that we stand behind you in supporting and encouraging you in your spiritual growth and struggles. You should know that. Please. You see, this is the word, isn't it? It is, it is uh, a prophetic book. It's an apocalyptic book. It is, a reveal, it is revealing what you wouldn't know and it is telling you something that is to come. It is a prophecy as well. We'll see how we go. We have also the recipients, right? John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace. Uh, look at verses 4 and 5, please. Uh, peace of, of, of him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits. Now, let's, let's see this. When Jesus appeared to John, as I said, John was uh, already noted one in the island of Patmos. Verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Uh, where are these seven churches? Where are they? Uh, look at uh, Revelation 1 verse 10. All the seven churches are mentioned there. Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, Thyatria, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. It was in Asia at the time. Now today it's Western Turkey. There were more than seven churches in Asia Minor at the time. But we read of seven churches. You see, why seven? If you studied and understood a little bit of Revelation, you would know that the number seven stands out, right? Number seven is a symbol of completeness in the book of Revelation. And so, our understanding then is that seven is symbolic or types of the church that will be in this world throughout the ages. The seven churches represent the entire church throughout the ages. And the church at this point in time was under persecution with the Roman Emperor Domitian. He wanted the people to worship him. He hated the church and Christians. And when Christians did not bow down to him, he persecuted God's people. And notice what John is saying in this salutation, friends. Grace to you and peace. He's banished in the island, and he comes with a salutation, grace. You see, the gospel can be summarized in many words, but one word is, is grace. You see, if we forget grace, <laughs> you have forgotten the work of the amazing God. If you have forgotten grace, then we will move and shift towards legalism. And I move towards uh, working for salvation. Remember like Martin Luther before he was converted? Um, going on his knees on the steps trying to find salvation. You will be doing everything to reach this, this mountain. And you will never get there. But it is grace. It is God's grace that intervenes. We have in the testimony today in Peter. It is grace. And you can ask Peter, it is grace that drew him to Christ. Not, it's not Peter's work. It is grace that draws us to this amazing God, you see. And God says now in his word, grace and peace. And so friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to see St. Stephen's as a church of grace. That is saved by the grace of God. Living by the grace of God. Empowered by the grace of God. Our relationships empowered by grace. Because when we understand this grace, the outflow of this grace becomes peace. Because it takes away all the, the complexities and gives to our mind and to our heart peace. Can you buy peace? You can't buy it. But God gives it to you as you trust Him. Therefore, we are justified by believing in Christ through faith in Jesus and receive His peace. And so this morning, I hope you experience that peace as well. 
and verse 5. I have other points in this sermon. I think we might have to wind up. <laughs> right? In verse 5. And from now, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. You see, Christ is described here. He is described in first with reference to his ministry on earth as the faithful witness. Secondly, Jesus Christ is described here as the firstborn of the dead. That is in connection with his death and resurrection. We sang, what's, what's that man of sorrows? One of the hymns that we sang this morning, the songs that we sang, and it talked about the resurrection. You see, Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. He conquered death. He came out from the tomb. He is victorious. He is the living Savior. And as God's people, we come to this living Savior every day. And we find from this living Savior the strength, the sufficiency, the grace, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the flows. You see, this is the Jesus we worship. The living one. If not, my dear friends, you could have slept in today. <laughs> Some of us might need that extra sleep, right? You could have done your arms. You could have done some cooking. You could have gone and done shopping. You could have done lots of things. You see, we might as well close the building here. <laughs> why are we here? Why are, why are we Christians? Because Christ is risen. <laughs> and Christ empowers us. You see, He knows His church. Because Christ stands behind us. And reminds us when we feel, my dear friends, so desperately down. For myself personally, I always say, Lord, you are the living one. You are the one who empowers a, a sinner, a frail, fragile guy like Chris Sirivira who can do nothing apart from your strength. You see, that is grace. And this Jesus is the firstborn who stands with you in your moment of trial, in your moment of despair. And this firstborn has conquered the grave. And when you and I die, we will be in heaven because Christ has conquered the grave. And then, the other aspect we see here is that he is the ruler of kings on earth. Is that what the text also tells us here? Blessed is the, uh, is, the, is the ruler of the one, isn't it? He, he, he is the one who, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. That is, he rules. He is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. And as a king, he reigns supremely and powerfully. And in our evening services, we go through the Gospel of Matthew. And one of the key themes of the Gospel of Matthew comes out as the kingship of Jesus. He talks about the kingdom. It's a kingdom book. It talks about what it means to live as kingdom citizens. And as a kingdom people we live in the power of Christ because he is king. And my question to you this morning and to me is, is Jesus the king and ruler of your life? Who is ruling you this morning? Who is ruling me? Who is the king of this church? Who is the ruler of this church? I've said this many times. It doesn't... This church doesn't belong to the elders of this place. <laughs> it doesn't belong to me. God, as we had in our elders meeting yesterday, I said, God can 
take all of us guys out and run the church without us. None of us are indispensable, right? I die today on this pulpit, God will raise another minister here. John will take over. <laughs> His shoulders will be strong. Right? God raises up people, you see. He's no debtor to anyone. You see, Christ is the ruler, He's the king. And look, we're going to not do the third point this morning for time constraints, okay? Uh, we'll do the third one uh, next time when we come into Revelation. But I trust I've given sufficient information for us to encourage you, to encourage us this morning to know this, this king, to know this one who is a faithful witness, to know this Jesus who is the firstborn of the dead, to experience his grace and his peace which Christ has given to us. And so thank God for the book of Revelation. It is an apocalyptic book, as I said. That word means to reveal. It is a book of prophecy. And so we understand it in the light of its genre as well. And may the Lord encourage and strengthen us in our walk uh, with him. And uh, I'll try and touch next time on the other point if we get to that, hopefully. Alright, so... But read, 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 the, read the other letters as well uh, in the book of Revelation. Let's, let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your word. Uh, thank you for uh, speaking to us in it. Uh, we thank you for the genre of this material. Uh, we thank you it's, uh, that in the midst of the spiritual struggles and, uh, and persecution of your people and the struggles in our own lives, that we ought to know and know for certain that Christ is the conquering king, the ruler, the firstborn from the dead, the eternal one. Help us to love and serve this Savior Jesus. Amen.